This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Welcome back to day three of the 2022 Farnborough Air Show recap. I do very much appreciate the continued support on the podcast. Again, these episodes have been daily over, well, the past couple of days discussing the air show and giving you the latest recaps from order news to just developments at the air show itself. Um, of course, that's working concurrently with the YouTube videos that have been published. There's been a sizable amount. So like I'll always say, um, along with everything else, if you do prefer watching video content, head over to the YouTube channel and you will indeed be able to watch the many videos. It's been a long week, to say the least, filled with lots of 17-hour days, so if I do stumble over my words or make any sort of mistake, do just excuse me, I am very tired and definitely running on a bit of lack of sleep. This is being live-streamed or live-recorded in our official community Discord server, um, closing in on 6,000 members now. If you are interested in joining and being a part of the extended community, you can do so with the vanity URL, discordpardonme.gg forward slash aviation. Lots of awesome events and general chit-chat in there. Uh, What else do I need to get through before I properly get underway? Yes, this podcast is streamable on any platform. Um, Only recently has it become available on many more platforms. I think there's now something like 20 total streaming audio platforms you can listen to the podcast on so i will always just reiterate that have an exploration if you will and find something that you like best whether that is your spotify apple um or tune in radio like there's a host of different platforms um, and just pick the best one for you a massive shout out to all the channel members that have joined up over on youtube your support is actually overwhelming and it's really really nice to see a lot of people join up um j todd daniel griffiths al walid Uh, I believe and Eric McGee are the new ones that have joined up in the past couple of days and there are uh, many, many more and a massive shout out to you for your incredible support on what I do on a daily basis. Now, day one and day two were pretty busy, I'd say, with day two definitely being the busiest. Um, Day three, a lot quieter, but that doesn't mean that there still aren't some interesting developments, in my opinion, to cover. Hence why you're still going to be getting a recap. I guess you could say, though, the story of the 2022 Farnborough Air Show has really been the announcement of commitments that we already knew existed. Um, whether that be the firming up or just the formal announcement that's happened with ANA, All Nippon uh, Airways, EasyJet, and many, many more. Uh, so definitely a way to publicize an order when there's a lot of attention, naturally, on the eyes of Farnborough. So uh, I got my notes in hand. That's really only two things that happened today. But I did sit in for a Twitter space, which is sort of like a 
a Discord stage channel, which is what I'm broadcasting this podcast in now, but it's on Twitter, something I've not done before. But there was a Twitter space between the points guy and a, a, a worker at the points guy and the Boom Supersonic CEO. Um, he went through and asked many different questions. None really got to the nitty gritty of what I was specifically interested in it was very general but i broke down about 600 words of notes and i just thought it'd be a a nice little bit of a follow-up and add a bit more weight to the podcast um i am hoping in the coming weeks to be sorting out an interview with someone at boom supersonic as you know i have many many questions and also as a voice for our community i know you all have many many questions so i'm hoping to try and speak to someone Um, in the engine propulsion team to get a better understanding on the engines, which, like I discussed in the previous podcast, is yet to be announced. Um, And going on their timeline, which I am sceptical of, I've already made that very clear, without getting too much more into it, um, with no engine still announced, it does present many questions. Um, And like I said, the new design of the Overture does look really cool in my eyes, uh, just as a pure aviation geek, but it leaves more questions unanswered um, than, say, answering the questions from the existing design. So that's just the plan for today's podcast. Uh, Day four and five, I probably presume, won't be too busy. With that being said, there are a lot of orders that are still in the final stages, I guess you could say, of being finalized. Notably, there is that Air India A350 order, which we've heard about for months and months now. Whether Airbus can get that over the line this air show and this week, pardon me, remains to be seen. There's a lot of conflicting reports. Bloomberg reports that they're attempting to do so, and then there's other reports indicating that it won't happen this week. Um, That being said, Airbus has openly claimed and come out and said that this air show was never meant to be a major, say, announcement one, Um, rather a bit of a conflict resolution and, and just trying to resolve some of the pressing issues that they're facing as an aircraft manufacturer within the industry. Like I've said many, many times, the past couple of years have been tough on pretty much anyone in our industry. And look, you could extend that to the wider world. Just the podcasts focused more on the aviation aspect. That's from aircraft manufacturers to employees to airports and just to so much more and everything in between. So the beauty about the Farnborough Air Show returning is people from all corners of the world in all different fields, whether it's defense, space, aviation, commercial, private, military, everything like that, they're all congregating in the one location. It allows for an Airbus, Boeing or Embraer to really have fundamentally important discussions with key suppliers and much more to resolve some of the many issues, whether that be emerging from the global pandemic, the massive, and I want to reiterate, massive labour shortages we're seeing. I mean, take a look at London Heathrow with the drastic slot reductions that we're seeing, the cap on people flying in and out. And look, London Heathrow truly is only going to be the start of that. And you're going to widely see that happen elsewhere. In fact, we already are, especially within Germany recently with that announcement jointly with Lufthansa. So the knock-on effect is huge, and these are, of course, now more pressing matters. On top of that, in February, we saw the conflict erupt, erupt pardon me, in Ukraine, and that has had a drastic effect on the supply chains for these aircraft manufacturers. So the Farnborough Air Show meant that, well, for Airbus, in Airbus's words, pardon me, it was an opportunity to try and move forward with positive discussions for the future. And hopefully, like I said in a YouTube video earlier, leave the Farnborough Air Show in a better place and better poised to deal with what could be thrown at them in the coming months and or coming years. Because like 
the past couple of years have shown us, you truly don't know what to expect and you can never be quite comfortable. Now, that goes for life in general. You can never be fully uh, complacent and comfortable, but the pandemic and everything that's come since then has definitely, I think, opened everyone's eyes. Whether you're 50, whether you're 12, 15, uh, exiting high school, going into university, or you're well into your career. It's been a hard couple of years. And again, just a kudos for everyone that's made it through it, because uh, I don't think many of us expected this towards the back end of 2019. Um, But here we are. So that's a bit of a piece that I guess wasn't meant to be in the podcast. But like I often do, I go on a tangent. I would say, though, that I wanted to include that. I just completely forgotten. So I'm happy that I did briefly talk about how um, Airbus are performing and I guess dealing with the air show in comparison to Boeing, who, of course, have had numerous orders confirmed, numerous orders signed, uh, signed, pardon me, and definitely been the more dominant force uh, in relation to orders. Now, though, that could completely change if Airbus were to secure that order with Air India, which could, and I say could, comprise of 50 A350s. So, well, it remains to be seen, but Boeing has definitely on the order front won the air show. But like I said, there's more pressing matters than just orders at the moment. So let's move on to the first, I guess you could say, or second topic maybe now. Uh, I just thought it would move straight on to um, a new MOU with Boeing and Azerbaijan Airlines to expand their 787 Dreamliner fleet. Now, the MOU was a, an announcement for four additional fuel-efficient aircraft that will, of course, end up increasing their 787, or 787, pardon me, Dreamliner fleet to 10 by the end of the decade. So, 2030, there was a comment from the president of Azerbaijan saying uh, they are the first airline in the uh, Central Asia region to operate the 7878 Dreamliner. They currently have two in service, and this MOU is the evidence of joint efforts to scale up the uh, mutually beneficial partnership between Azerbaijan and Boeing. Uh, just concluding by saying, over the years, our 787 airplanes have provided impeccable performance, and the addition of more long-haul airplanes will further expand the geography of Azerbaijan Airlines' route network. A fantastic announcement for Boeing and their 787, which again has had a bit of a rocky past couple of years, so the vote of confidence from Azerbaijan Airlines will be very important, especially as we hopefully move closer and closer to those deliveries recommencing and customers being able to welcome the Dreamliner once again, hopefully issue-free as well. Because like I said, the issues have plagued the aircraft for some time now, even stretching back to when we had the engine difficulties and we'd see many airlines wet-leasing certain aircraft in. It just seems like there's one after the other and we don't have that clear pathway into a more smooth future. Maybe you could argue, bar the MAX 10, that's kind of going on with the 737 MAX now. Um... Again, excluding the MAX 10, I would argue that it's definitely been a bit smoother for the other variants re-entering the scene and having orders and and flying once again, which, honestly, after such a bumpy period, is, is nice to see that it's hopefully being done in the right way, if you know what I mean. Now, moving over to European aircraft manufacturer Airbus, Um, I almost just dropped my iPad, so excuse if my voice just all of a sudden went really high-pitched. I nearly crapped myself. I nearly fell off the table. Either way, let's move on to European aircraft manufacturer Airbus with the announcement, well, should I say re-announcement, sort of, if you will, of a firm order for 56 A320neos with EasyJet following shareholder approval 
On top of that, there is a bit of a conversion included in it, which will mean that 18 of the smaller 320 Neos will be upsized to the larger 321 Neo model. Now, just personal opinion here, but I do think the 321 Neo looks a bit better than the 320 Neo. I just think the added length really has a bit of elegance to it. Um, while I do like the 320 Neo, um, the longer planes, just something about them, and especially the 321 with the design, I just think it looks really sleek, and, and that's just my personal opinion, though. I'm um, getting on to a comment from the CFO, Keaton Jarvis, or Kenton, pardon me. He said, we believe this order will support positive returns for the business and the delivery of our strategic objectives. The new aircraft are aligned with EasyJet's sustainability strategy with the adoption of more efficient new technology aircraft being a core component of EasyJet's path to net zero emissions. Alongside this, the new aircraft are significantly quieter with half the noise footprint of the older aircraft they are replacing. So again, this is not necessarily new news, if you will. We, we've known about this for quite some time. But, and again, how I mentioned right at the beginning of the Day 3 recap and this podcast, um, the story of the airshow has been a lot of reconfirmations and uh, the firming of orders and, and, and stuff that isn't brand new. The the one notable thing I can think of is the Delta Max order, but, you know, that's been in the pipeline for a very long time, and I think it was a matter of when, not if, and that when was during, of course, the air show. That's pretty much all that happened. I mean, there were a lot of other partnerships announced, strategic partnerships, but if you know me, I usually just try and stick to the core aircraft manufacturers, and I know the most interesting is definitely um, the order. So I don't want to move too much into, you know, little agreements for propeller planes. Well, not necessarily propeller planes, because I did cover that in another podcast, but maybe if there's like an engine agreement that's been made or potentially some sustainable future agreement, because um, then we could be here for a while and it may get a little bit too boring, if you will. Um, now, on to Boom Supersonic and that Twitter space I was telling you about. Uh, I just wrote down, as I mentioned, quite a, many hundreds of words in splitting it into different areas, what the responses were from the CEO, whether this is interesting to you or not. I thought it might provide a little bit more insight. But like I mentioned, it doesn't go over completely some of the questions I had. Um, they were very just generalized and, and neutral and... Um, like I said as well, I am hoping to be speaking to a propulsion engineer and what some of the team that are working very closely on the engines at Boom pretty soon, and the opportunity will be there to present itself for you to be asking some hard-hitting questions that I can put forward. Um, because like I said, and I think a lot of people are in agreement, we do want this to fly. It's just maybe the concern is that it may not. Do you know what I mean? The odds are probably not so much in its favor. Uh, but one can only hope and cross our fingers, and I'll always say that I would love, love, love to be proved wrong, and I would love to have this flying later down the line. Either way, the sub-areas I've got is like the timeline, comparison to Boeing and Airbus, um, orders, and criticism. So uh, if I just quickly go through this, there were 50 different design iterations moving towards this new overture. So going a bit behind the scenes they've been working on this now for many many years even though this is the reveal now apparently it's been in the works for a very very long time with 26 million core hours of simulation uh, wind tunnels with five tests um, they updated the specs a couple of years ago um, where the design would come out 
like as in where it would end up. Um, the consideration is about uh, considerations are around affordability, the ability to achieve quieter operations, which was definitely a main talking point in those releases. Dropping the cruise speed results in something like a thirty percent improvement in fuel efficiency. That's what the CEO mentioned. Um, engines sustainably running on one hundred percent achieves net zero carbon, even with the four. There were economic considerations rather than just sustainability. Why four engines? Well, supersonic does not uh, needs more thrust due to additional drag. He said adding engines would allow faster flight speeds, burning less. He made mention of um, why the uh, another company that was working on a, a supersonic flight, but more in a private jet term uh, scene, why they recently ceased trading. And I thought it was interesting. And he basically went on to briefly sort of make the case that there wasn't a role of demand for a supersonic business jet because most of those i guess you could say operations are done over land um definitely understand that but you know flights do happen over the ocean that are private do you know what i mean so um maybe it's not as large as you'd see over land but it does exist to a certain extent uh the timeline so groundbreaking on the overture factory is later this year moving into production early 20 oh sorry pardon me uh, later this year, they'll be moving. Later this year, they'll be working on the factory, and then they'll be moving into production in early 2024. And it will roll off the line in 2025, take flight in 2026, and then they're predicting a four-year period for safety and certification. Uh, and basically, that would mean we're seven or so years away from passengers on it, according to their timeline. Um, and he he sees the situation as everyone wants supersonic to exist, as planes are not cruise ships. What we're seeing with United and others is the not-too-distant future. Airlines can basically understand uh, that the technology is there. Basically, they can do this with 787 technology with some adjustments, and that's, that is technology that's already proven. He said the supply chain team that was announced will come together to produce the aircraft, and it's not mission impossible. Another question from uh, someone at the Points Guy was centered around the comparison to Boeing and Airbus, and this is something that has been widely mentioned and I even brought up in my video, is the concern that with their timeline, it's there's not a lot of gaps in between, and um, if they're to stick to everything, it doesn't allow, do you know what I mean, a lot of time between the first flight and the rollout and for these tests to be completed, and at the end of the day, the Overture is not a 737 MAX, or let's just say, hypothetically, a 787X. Um, it's a clean sheet. It's something, it's a, a, quite a, um, well, it's a clean sheet. That's just the best way I can put it. The, the certification is definitely going to be scrutinized heavily and they've already expected that, but a 787X potentially, or even the Max and many other aircraft have incurred delays. Do you know what I mean? And these are from really respect, highly regarded and respected aircraft manufacturers that are, um, incurring their own delays. And that means their timeline goes completely out of whack. Now, this is Airbus and Boeing. It happens also with Embraer and many others. So um, that's, I think, why a lot of people have questions regarding the timing when it comes to the, uh, how do I put it, the eventually having that first flight with passengers um, in 2029. But again, I would love to be proven wrong. I just think there's obviously that concern. Uh, the CEO said they're deeply engaged with the Federal Aviation Administration and the EASA and are actually already ultimately into like a certification program they're happy with the progress um uh they're they're not going to see any exemptions made for them so of course the stakes are raised and there's increased scrutiny but they welcome it um what else have i got here 
Every airline will need this to be competitive, he also went on to say, because when one airline can do it quicker than the others, he believes that there'll be a race to get the airplanes because, you know, people want that competition and more people will move to supersonic in the future. Orders, he teased that there were potentially more coming, but again, what is very important to note is in the contracts will be a easy way out if the company collapses or let's say if this doesn't come to fruition or if something very, very minuscule changes and it's not to the liking, like there are ways out in these contracts, but that's the responsibility of Boom to produce an aircraft that was, I guess, everything they said. So um, Transocean flying is really what is going to be special for like the purpose uh as for criticism which was one of the last things and this is the same response a couple of people brought up this question during the actual boom press conference and he said the same thing he said to people that criticize it he looks forward to carrying them on the airplane later this decade but in this edition he said that there's always doubters when something's new as nothing is proven until the day that it is basically proven and i thought that was a very um correct and very important statement because it's the mindset that i have Am I excited by it? Of course I am. I absolutely love any kind of new technology. Hell, throw me any concept aircraft and I'll be like, that's really cool because it is that new technology. It's the same as when you see a concept iPhone or a a new concept car. Looks brilliant. It's exciting. It's the future, Um, but doesn't mean that it's going to happen. I mean, sure, in a hundred years, maybe that car will come to fruition and look in in a certain way, but maybe it won't be in that timeline. Uh, doesn't mean though it doesn't excite me and I'm sure many people can resonate there but again him saying that it's not proven until it's proven is is very important and I do definitely agree with that there because again it's my stance on it looks great but until it's flying then yeah he did also say that even when it's potentially flying again I will say potentially because we don't know if it will um he said that there'll be criticism about whether they'll be able to sell it. Again, another fair point that you're always going to have your doubters with whatever you do, and that even exists today with both Airbus and Boeing and their future endeavours. They're the notes I had written down. Um, Like I said, day three of the air show certainly wasn't that... How do I put it? Uh, Wasn't that exciting it did mean i get i got a little bit of a um a longer sleep although that being said i had an alarm set in 30 minute uh increments to to wake myself up um and yeah nothing was really going on but i still wanted to do a bit of a recap and i thought hey i'll include this segment on that twitter space to give you a little bit of added information this podcast um is maybe going to be one of the last daily recaps because like I said, I don't know how busy the final two days are going to be. I don't think they'll be too busy, but um, if this is the last one, you can just expect a regular podcast somewhat soon and we'll be back to normal proceedings until the next air show. And like I will always do and and say to you, you will end up getting um, uh, daily episodes at future air shows. So thank you very, very much, honestly, for listening to the day three recap. And if you listen to any of the previous ones, um, a massive shout out to anyone that was listening to this live in the discord server. Thank you for taking the time out of probably your busy day to sit down and listen. Um, again, stay tuned for any updates on the air show, both on my Twitter and also on the YouTube channel. And uh, I will see you, whether it be in the day four recap or just another point for routine proceedings here on the DJ's Aviation Podcast. 
You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.